everybody. Welcome to episode 28 of the master class. My name is Cam and I'm here across the table from Dave. Yes, I'm here once again. How are you? I'm well and you? You know, I'm okay. Okay. We're recording a day early. That's right. But, you know, <laughs> it's my day off, so <laughs> I suppose I could swing it. Well, we're here. We should probably start talking about important things. Sounds good. Uh, we, we gave Dave a, I don't know, was it self-assigned homework? Might have been. Uh, two episodes ago. and We didn't get to it last episode, but we've got time for it today. So, uh, Dave, why don't you tell us uh, about Son of Man and what that means? Uh, well, when we were discussing it two episodes ago, I think we very much agreed that uh, Son of Man was referring to his humanity. And as I re- researched this, that was definitely one of the uh, things that came up over and over again, that referring to himself as Son of Man is uh, referencing the fact that he was human, uh, that that he uh, was born uh, that he came into the world the same way that you and I did, and uh, that it was very much uh, one of the more common ways for him to refer to himself. And I, I found a lot of different uh, material and things that were kind of speaking to me and tried to put it into my own words. And ultimately, um, I found, uh, oh, I think this is from an audio um, part of um, you can ask the pastor sort of a thing. Uh, you can ask um, John Piper about, uh, well, both terms, son of God and son of man. And as we mentioned, son of, uh, son of God would refer to his deity. So <laughs> that is the opposite of son of man, fully God, fully man. So anyway, I won't uh, belabor this too much longer. But I will read uh, excerpts from uh, this particular answer that uh, John Piper gave. And it starts uh, with, The more sophisticated and important historical insight is that the term son of man doesn't merely align him with humanity. It is probably taken from Daniel 7. And if you read that chapter, you'll see that the son of man is a very exalted figure. Not just a human figure, but an exalted figure. It was Jesus' favorite designation. I think the reason he did this is because, on the face of it, Son of Man is an ordinary phrase for human being. He was born of a man. And there's no offense there. Who isn't a Son of Man? But those with ears to hear could hear Daniel 7, in which he was claiming a very exalted role in the history of redemption, and he meant to do it. And that, to me, just really hit home with what I guess I was sort of sensing in that, yes, the, ser- the term uh, Son of Man is a very ordinary, nobody would have any objection to that, doesn't seem to uh, have anything to it. But just in the same way that, you know, he spoke in parables, and there was always more to his parable, there's kind of this sort of, like, who's paying attention? Who, you know, who's listening? And again, it's re- referring to Daniel 7, which we hit on uh, two weeks ago. Um, in which he was claiming a very exalted role in the history of redemption. And then I just love these last six words, and he meant to do it. And it just kind of had that kind of, uh, you know, Jesus being humble and modest and all that. But if you're paying attention, yeah, there's more to it. And that's just kind of what I guess I was feeling was, "Eh, there just seems like there's something out there. So 
I don't know if that satisfies the listeners, but it very much hit me as to what it was I was kind of sensing about that title that um, I don't know, maybe we did hit on uh, when we were talking about it, but of course we did Dave. We're perfect. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to be uh, somebody who is like smart enough that you could like always have like the two levels of meaning to what you say? Yes. That would be insane. It'd be pretty awesome. Usually mine's just like dumb puns. <laughs> People just shake their head and like, Oh my gosh, he still doesn't get it. But anyways, uh, I think that was a good follow up and definitely useful. Um, we will have links to that stuff in the show notes too. Yes. So, all right. Um, I don't believe we have any more follow up. I don't think so. Oh, sad. So I suppose we can just move on to tonight's main topic. Yes. Which is Matthew. Yep, we're still in Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. Dave, would you do the honors as always? Sure. So Matthew eight twenty-eight through 34. And when he came to the other side, to the country of Jedda, 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 Jedda. It's not Jedis, that's Star Wars. I, I don't know why I'm... The Gatherings. Thank you. I don't know why it was coming out like that. Like I couldn't. Thank you. You're not gatherings possessed by. No, there's no pigs around here. So you should. There's just cows. <laughs> that would be a lot harder. I think there are many cows. So anyways. All right. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the gatherings, two demon possessed men met him coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us? O son of God. Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them, and the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. This is such a weird story. This is a very weird story. Everything about it is weird. I would agree. Uh, yeah. That's, this one's always confused me. Yeah, hey, oh, true. <laughs> we, have, we have many questions to, to uh, extrapolate upon our confusion. Um, but you wrote this first question, and I don't really know what you mean by it, so I'm going to let you keep talking. Sure. Uh, basically, I just is, I, I suppose there's two different sides to this because I have a follow-up question with it as well. Um, but the first question is, is, does our world have an unhealthy obsession with evil? And the, a couple of things that just sort of uh, came to my mind uh, were, one, the popularity of zombies these days. Uh, you know, before that, I think it was vampires that people were into. And, um, you know, there's plenty of, uh, slasher movies that are out there. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of reality shows that deal with the paranormal and, uh, ghost hunters and things like that. Uh, the other piece is, is that, um, I work midnight shift. I'm up all night. And so I listen to midnight radio specifically. I listen to coast to coast 
Um, is that like the supernatural radio stuff? Yeah. Well, it's it's uh, supernatural. Uh, just anything out of the. You know, they even they deal with conspiracies a lot, uh, aliens, uh, that sort of thing. And Area Fifty One. Yeah. Area Fifty One. Yes. It's real. And I will say it's very entertaining. Uh, I enjoy uh, <laughs> enjoy listening to it. But I just I, do we have. And maybe even maybe seeing an unhealthy obsession with evil is the wrong way to say it. Do we have an unhealthy perspective of spirituality? Do we have an unhealthy perspective of, um, you, you know, it, it just seems to me like there's a longing from the world uh, for this kind of stuff, but it's misplaced. And Sounds about right. <laughs> so that was, I, I think, just really kind of where I was coming from on that of just. Um, uh, we don't talk about it much in normal everyday conversation. At least my experience isn't that. Or when you do talk about spirituality or you are, you are talking with Christians, we don't come to demons much, but it seems like to me that we do have things like, you know, I, I've heard many conversations about what somebody would do if the zombie apocalypse happened. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> so. Yeah, it is. Uh, even just, I had a recent conversation with a coworker, and this person said that they don't believe in demons. They were talking about some like exorcism show. Um, and she's like, I don't believe in that stuff. I'm just kind of like, really, you don't? Like, I don't. I don't know how how Christians. Now this girl's not a Christian, um, so she just might deny the whole shebang. But like, so many people I've talked to in the church. Are like, oh, Jesus and God in the Bible, and no, demons aren't real. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. I don't understand. Then, then all of the things that Jesus does when he casts out demons never happened, which means the Bible's lying, which means you believe in something that's not true. I just don't understand how they can jump to that conclusion. Well, the, the way I've heard it explained to me is they didn't understand modern psychology back then. And so they referred to mental health issues as demons. That's, that's why people... That seems like a total cop-out. Well, I don't disagree, but that's how people, the folks that I've talked to that I would say... Are those the same people that say that the wine Jesus made really wasn't wine? It was just kind of funky water? That's why Christians shouldn't drink? But, but haven't Hold you on, ever... Let, have, me drink, let me drink my beer real quick. <laughs> haven't you ever heard of, of people referring to mental health issues as demons before? No. You've never heard that? No, it's just crazy. So, like, like using it as a so metaphor. they're saying that that someone who uh, uh, is schizophrenic or has multiple personality disorder or something like that—that's they would say that that's what was happening, mm-hmm. and these people just gained superhuman strength because they had a mental issue. I, I'll, I here's what I'll tell you on this: I've I've seen five cops wrestle. <laughs> somebody with superhuman strength who was having a mental episode. Was so he, was he laced on something or was it just totally mental psych- health? Really? I've seen both. I've seen drug induced. Cause that makes sense. I wonder seen- if the brain just like sends a crazy amount of endorphins mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So I have seen that <laughs> not to throw it back at you, but yeah. Interesting. So, well, and I disagree with that. I think you do too. That well, yeah. I just I don't understand how people can have a biblical view of Christianity and then just deny 
that that demons exist like if they don't exist then why did jesus die in the first place like if there is not if satan does like because satan's a, a demon right? right he's not jesus is equal that's not like it's not like two brothers that are equal that are opposing each other no satan is like not even comparable you know he's so if we don't believe in demons and satan's not real and then evil i just don't get it then why did why did jesus come to save us from something that doesn't exist yeah it seems kind of stupid to me um so i don't know um i think that there is a ton about this that we are completely ignorant of especially nowadays when we are so um medicated and distracted from what is really going on mm-hmm. um you know as i stare at my computer and my phone and talk into a microphone and watch the the lights beep on the soundboard like even here i can be totally distracted from the present reality and i think that we'll get into that more here as we go along but yes yeah i think i think that um you made uh the comment earlier um is people's um interest in spirituality misplaced and i think that's satan's best tool is to take our interests or our care or our passion and misplace them mm-hmm. you know like you wonder why why porn is what a billion dollar industry because our passions for something that god made to be good have been misplaced somewhere else mm-hmm. and satan's writing that check to the bank every day yeah um and we'll, I have more to say on that, but we'll get to that later. Okay. Because I don't want to steal my own <laughs> made up thunder. So, all right. Anyways, so yeah, I would, I would say an unhealthy, um, I wouldn't say obsession, but definitely an unhealthy, um, trajectory. Yeah. Like it, the, the desire to embrace the spiritual side of things is totally misplaced for a lot of people. Yeah. Cause we are, Spiritual beings in a material world, right? And that that and that I'm not talking about non just non Christian. I'm talking there's there's a lot of Christians that are totally misplaced in where they put their energy. Um, oh yeah, and um, yeah, I'll say it. Um, <laughs> Christians that tie their religion up in politics, totally misplaced. I would agree. We should we should move on. <laughs> well, no, and, it's, and 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 those two things aren't mutually exclusive, right? God. Jesus, God may call you to be politically active. There is certainly that place. Well, and that's not even what I'm talking. I'm talking no. about the people that. But your identity that in order to be a good right. Christian, you have to be a conservative Republican, right? In that whole um, viewpoint that the two are so intertwined that you can't tell one from the other anymore. Mm -hmm. To me is a, is a, the desire, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that their intentions are good. Yeah. And that their desire is to see God glorified in America. I think the problem with that is that they think the only way to do that is to be a, incredibly conservative Republican. And if you don't do it the other way, then you're, yeah. you know, you're going to hell because you're not a good Christian, which is ridiculous to me. Yes. I would so, agree. I think we should get back on track though. Okay. Dave, I'm warming up, man. <laughs> All right. Opinions Bring are going to start flying. I think. 
All right. All right. So the demons right away identified Jesus as the son of God. Like it, it, <laughs> what have you to do with us? A son of God, not like, Oh, we're demons. We're going to eat you. Like the first thing is, why are you here? What do you want with us? Oh, by the way, we're just going to call you who you are. Like that to me is startling. Mm-hmm. What does that say about Jesus? Let's, let's just start there. What does their immediate addressing of Jesus as, as the son of God tell us now about him and what they saw? Well, I, I think they, they see him for exactly who he was. Um, and it wasn't veiled by his humanity. And it kind of goes back to where, you know, the son of, son of man, um, yeah, he was fully in, in human flesh, but uh, they saw him. I mean, they're in tune. They're talking about being in tune with the spiritual realm. Yeah, they right. were. And it just, it totally, um, like, I got to imagine the disciples were just like, wait, what, what? <laughs> Come again? You know, these, these men that have been with Jesus at this point for, you know, long enough, they've seen him do crazy things. And they're still a little bit confused. Like this is right after. So they, Jesus, two episodes ago, we talked about Jesus um, confronting some people that wanted to follow him. Mm -hmm. Then last episode, we talked about Jesus calming a storm. Mm -hmm. And then this episode, this is the other side of the lake. And they just witnessed him speak and a storm dissipate. Right. And they get across. So they're probably already a bit like freaked out. They almost died. They just saw something crazy. Then there's these two demon possessed dudes. And the first thing out of their mouth is son of God. And the, the disciples at this point have to be kind of like, what's, why are they calling you and trying to figure out just what's going on? Yeah. And, um, I think it says an incredible amount about the spiritual reality that we are so often blind to yes. that these disciples who have spent so much time with Jesus are still trying to struggle to figure out just exactly who this guy is. Like their question, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? They still haven't figured it out yet. They're trying to put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And I think from a very physical, like, what can I see? What can I hear? What can I sense? Try to piece it together. And then these, these demons, the first time they see him know exactly who he is from a distance. And they, uh, they admit that. And so I think this is one of the passages in the Bible that's very telling about the, um, the difference and the distance between the physical reality that we see and touch and feel and smell and taste and everything in the spiritual reality that is kind of like the real reality, if that makes sense mm-hmm. in like a matrixy sort of way. It's exactly what it is. I think <laughs> except for it's not as simple as choosing the red pill or the blue pill. Which one would you choose, Dave? I, I'd want to know reality. Yeah. Even if I get to eat his porridge. <laughs> Yes, I think I would. I think I would. That's what I say on my podcast, talking about spiritual things. (laughs) All right. So the other thing that they say is, um, have you come to torment us before the time? And what do you you think that means? Because to me, that's a very telling phrase. They know who he is, and they've said, have you come to torment us before the time? Mm -hmm. What's your take on that? 
Uh, I think there is definitely, uh, again, a spiritual perspective here. Uh, to me, the time is judgment, uh, when God finally judges everybody. And I think ultimately they know what their um, destination is in terms of that judgment. And that is a life of eternal torment. And so uh, another thing that we don't like to talk about much as Christians is the existence of hell and the reality of hell. And here you have some pretty, you know, what, what do they gain by putting this out there that, hey, hell's a real place and we're not in any hurry to get there before we have to. Um, oh, man. So I'd rather you know, go to the family reunion first. Yeah. So, so there's an element here of, I mean, they're, they're speaking from a very real, just, they can't hide behind the deceit anymore. They can't hide behind the lies. They are confronted with, you know, Jesus, God incarnate, and he is, um, I think they are so flippin' scared. I mean, truly respond in the way we should respond when we're in the presence of God. And they can't, help, they, they can't keep up the charade. They can't, they're shaking in their boots. They are scared to death. So, Well, I just, I want to know how they know that there, first of all, that there is a time you know, like mm-hmm. what? Well, cause I, I think they have very much a sense of God has said, this is your eternal, but and right. But like, but, how did that, like, did Satan send out a memo? Like, Oh, by the way, <laughs> no, I, I think they heard it from God. I, I think, mm. I think they heard it from God. I think there was a whole history of the angels falling and, you know, because even the uprising, I think there's a whole, uh, maybe it exists, somebody's created a fiction novel like this, but I think you, there's a whole story that actually happened of uh, Satan's uprising and, you know, kind of this, some people it was an easy choice, some angels it was an easy choice for them, others it wasn't such an easy choice. And I, I think their reality has existed for much longer, and I think they knew when all that went down of, wow, this is our eternal. So, and here's the other thing. I do believe that Jesus can send some of them to that judgment before the actual judgment day, and that's why they asked to go into pigs instead of being right. banished. You're, you're going to have to explain that one. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I watched Interstellar last night, so my brain is like very much wanting to know all of the things right now. So explain what you mean by that. Uh, I believe that um, there are different. Um, we live in a very linear uh, time frame, and God does. I don't think operates in the same linear way. That okay, we do. yeah, totally. I, I'm with that. So that is that is one piece of that. Uh, the second thing is is that um, I don't think Jesus has to wait till Judgment Day to send people to their eternal punishment. And I think he has sent some demons, and this will probably be another homework <laughs> that I'm going to have to do to back up my statements, but um, that some demons have been sent there already, and that is what they are fearful of. And that's why, instead of saying, hey, don't send us to hell, don't send us to that torment now, give us the chance to continue Go existing. ruin some perfectly good bacon. Gosh, yes. what a waste. <laughs> so... 
Huh, okay. So does that mean that some people are already in paradise with God, even though the judgment hasn't happened yet in our time frame? If he can send, if he can send demons to hell. Yes. Cause I don't, I, I don't, uh, I don't believe in a linear time with God and I can't, I'm not going to say even be able to explain that, but you don't want to get into relativity. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to talk about relativity. <laughs> Uh, I have a basic concept of relativity and I do think that there are some probably, um, some even truths to that, to that, but, um, um, so no, I, I, I think there is an element of God's time and our time is different and that, yes, some of the people who have died, um, may be experiencing paradise in a way we can't comprehend it. I kind of wonder if some of that's like dreaming too. Like, you know, I don't know about you, but in my dreams, I accomplish way more than anyone can accomplish in eight <laughs> hours. I'm in different parts of the world and different people and time spans, months, you know? Yes. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's only been seven hours. I should go back to sleep. That's not enough. My doctor says I need to least eight. <laughs> but yeah, this, I think it's, it's very, um, easy for us to think of the judgment as somewhere in the future because mm-hmm. it hasn't happened yet. And you're right. Like we do live very linear lives Our you know, our weekly calendar just every seven days just resets. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, years every 365 and a quarter days it resets and, and all of that. Um, but I think, yeah, when you start talking about God and eternity and, um, when things happened and, and all of that, that's when time really starts to not matter because I, I firmly believe that God operates outside of time. And I think that when he created the galaxy, time was a mechanism used to help build it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that because the, the demons are living in that physical reality, time actually means something like, is the time here yet? Like, yeah. Has, has our time on earth ended? And is, and, but I just, it still blew my mind that they recognized him for who he was right away. And they knew that like the jig was up. And I just kind of wonder like, is Satan aware of that? Does this, I mean, if the demons know, then surely he knows he's screwed. Yes. And, you know, and I look at how, human culture has um, been shaped over the last, you know, couple hundreds of years. And I just wonder if all of the progress that we're seeing in, in serious heavy air quotes mm-hmm. is, is Satan really just ramping up the pressure to try and get as many people with him as possible. Well, I think you said it earlier. I, I think he's smart enough to know that the best way to get as many people as possible is to convince them he's not real. And that he very seldom does he... I think he's... I don't want to give him too much credit, but, I, you know, he was top top angel, right? When he, Hi, I'm Lucifer, top <laughs> angel. Nice to meet you. <laughs> And, uh, you know, um, so he's, 
he's, you know, he's incredibly smart. He's, I think he's probably somewhat like patient. I mean, I think he gets the, maybe not patient, but he, he, um, is strategic enough to know what's going to work for him and what's not going to work for him. And that I, I don't think he, I could be wrong, but he seems to be very good at what he does. And I don't think there's a, I don't feel like he's hurrying right now. I kind of, I kind of feel like he's cranking it up. I mean, like if you, if you just look at like for every advance in human culture, it seems to me that Satan is keeping pace, if not anticipating it. So like, uh, you know, Christians found hospitals. Mm-hmm. Well, now most folks that are in hospitals are not Christians. And in fact, based on their science, don't believe that God existed. Like that, that twist, right? right sure. Most Christians founded universities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most universities are hotbeds for atheism. Uh, and there's no room in, in the, I shouldn't say that that's a, that's an overstep there. There are plenty of room. There, there are many strong Christians in a- academia, but it is not a Christian place. No, nor is the science field, uh, you know, medical stuff. No. Um, and so I just, I like, and then you look at technology and I love technology. I'm a total tech mm-hmm. nerd. I love gadgets. I listen, I watched the live blog for the Apple event <laughs> and then I went back and watched the video later, even though I knew everything like I, that's just how I am. Um, but you look at things that technology is being used for pornography, Ashley Madison, cyberbullying, uh, viruses to, you know, steal all of your personal information and steal your identity. Like there's like for every advance that we've made as a culture, it seems like Satan is using all of those as well. Like he's not like, I can't think of like, there's one thing where like, Oh, Satan hasn't ruined that yet. Well, but again, I think that's, I think that's his MO. I think he's just very good at what he does. I mean, he, you take Christmas and Easter. I mean, he's done the exact same thing with the two major Christian Mm -hmm. holidays. And interwoven all kinds of pagan symbols and and rabbits that lay eggs. Yeah, seriously, what's and, the deal and, with that and, one? And back to your conservative Republicans that won't have anything to do with a liberal Democrat are totally okay with your Easter bunny and the eggs. You know, it's like if you're going to pick something, let's pick something that's pretty obvious that this is not Christian. Oh boy, you know. <laughs> Which, by the way, I would say I'm a conservative Republican. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, really? We should have a political discussion one time, Dave. <laughs> Meredith asked me the other day. She's like, "Are you a Democrat?" And I was like, I, "I think I have. I think I have Democratic tendencies. I don't, I don't know if I'd consider myself one, but yeah, it, it, I, I would. I would definitely say that's the way I lean. Uh-huh. I'm. A, I'm a Reagan Republican. That probably even puts me in a worse category." <laughs> Trickle down economics, right? That was Reagan, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, that was before my time. <laughs> Not by much, though. Well, he was president no. in what mid eighties. Uh, eighty to eighty eight. Okay, yeah. So I was, <clears throat> or was inaugurated in eighty one, and then yeah. So I, I was born in eighty six. So I was yep. born into the Reagan Reaganomics. Yeah, I actually remember both elections, believe it or not. So 
I think the first election I remember was Bill Clinton. What was what, 94? 92. And then 96. Oh, yeah, because Bush was 82 or 88 to 92. Mm-hmm. And then Clinton was 92 to 2000. And then Bush was 2000, 2008. And that's been Obama for the last six or seven years. Yeah. Okay. Wow. 12 years of Bush presidency <laughs> in my first 22 years of existence. Yes. One family. Now there's Jeb. He was on uh, Stephen Colbert the other day. I was actually really impressed with him. Really? And then Joe Biden was on the night, the night after that. He's another good one. That, uh, the interview with Joe Biden was incredible. Yeah. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. It was really good. That's the other thing. These are all incredibly smart men. And it's, you know, talk about evil. It's amazing how quickly we want to villainize the people that think differently than us. Than well, and that's a total side tangent here. But I know. We've, no, we've talked about this in the past where, where uh, this whole idea that like we can't talk to each other because we disagree fundamentally on how the government should be taxing people. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned back like Reagan would go out with the Tip opposition O'Neal. leader and go get a beer or yeah. whatever because they could still. They were good friends. Yeah, even though they disagreed drastically on how things should be policed. And one of the points that Jeb Bush made in his interview on Colbert was like, look, listen, the sort of childish um, disagreement and unwillingness to work together that happens in Washington, he goes, doesn't happen anywhere else at state government or city government. That sort of stuff doesn't happen. People work together because they realize if they don't, they're nothing's going to happen. Exactly. And he's like, we need to get the Congress back to a point where they are actually doing their jobs and governing. And the crowd at that point was just like clapping. Like, oh my gosh, this is, and Stephen Colbert is like, you actually think this is possible? And he's like, it has to be. If we want this country to be great, like we all say it is, then Congress needs to stop being children and grow up and actually start working together to build the future that we want. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't think I'd ever get that excited about Jeb Bush, but I was like, that, that I could get behind. So. I think the voters need to get that way too. Well, and, and one of the points he made too is that most people see what's going on in Washington and just say, my vote's not going to change anything because the congressmen just do whatever they want. You know, so why would I, why would I vote when nothing's going to change? And so yeah. it's just like this cycle of Congress doesn't do their job. People get discouraged because they see that. So they don't vote, which means that new blood doesn't get brought in because the old guy just keeps winning because he's been, you know, and it's, he's like, no, people have to vote. He goes, your vote matters because your vote may be the one vote that gets that person out of Congress and mm-hmm. brings in someone that actually wants to do his job or her job. Yeah. I've been listening to an Abraham Lincoln biography where they're talking about 80% turnout for the elections, the presidential elections. And I was like, I didn't think that ever happened. <laughs> Shows yeah. my jaded view of our political system. Well, and that was his point. It's like, we need to get the government back to a place where in the public eye, the people feel like they're actually being represented. Yeah. It's called representative for a reason. <laughs> yeah. All, All right. right. <laughs> so back to the Bible. <clears throat> but, but, and that's, I, I think that applies though of, of what, why we do this podcast is it, what Jesus said matters in our world today and that much of what we were just referring to does directly tie back to principles that are foundational in who he was and what he said. So, All right. So I think this was a good point to dive into the two other mm-hmm. uh, 
um, gospels uh, of the, um, oh my gosh, I'm t- synoptic gospels there. Synoptic I was gospels. like the semantic gospels. Nope. That's not the right word, Cam. <laughs> synoptic. That's the right word. So that'd be Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, they're the three gospels that have the most in common. John's kind of off in its own little corner um, where it's totally different. Uh, so this story does have um, somewhat matching stories in, in uh, Mark and Luke, but um, do you want to explain the differences briefly or did you just want to read them? Um, I'm going to let, I'm going to let the listeners read these. And this kind of stemmed from, I debated about whether even going there because the podcast is more about, just this is what Jesus said. But the more I kind of studied this and looked it up, it was like, it's kind of hard to ignore these two other stories. And um, I'm going to kind of sum it up in that one of the main differences between the other two gospels is that they only refer to one demon possessed man. They don't refer to two. And the, the simplest explanation is um, the person who, uh, wrote Matthew, uh, was probably writing from a firsthand, this is what I saw kind of a thing. I was there, there were two demon-possessed men, and in the verse that we read, there's only one verbal interaction. There aren't two verbal interactions. He just talks to one of the demon-possessed men. And so um, if I would see that, well, I would see the conversation with the demon-possessed man, but I also go, that guy's demon-possessed too because of the way he's behaving. However, if I wasn't a firsthand witness and it was, there was a, a story told to me or I heard an account of this particular event, as somebody's telling the story, they're probably going to talk about the dialogue between Jesus and the demon-possessed man that he has the dialogue between. And so therefore, it's not that there weren't two men there, but when I'm telling the story, I'm going to focus on the conversation that happened between the two and not necessarily bring up the fact that there was a second demon-possessed person. So I, the, the differences between um, the um, accounts um, really come down to whose perspective is this as the story or the event is being told um, versus it being different stories. and. Um, I guess if people want to know more about that, we can delve into that. But well, the one question I had um, was in the um, the Mark and Luke passages. Uh, he says that his name is Legion. For right, we are many, which is not, which is like one of the coolest responses, but also like scary movie cool. Like, what's your name? We are Legion. For we are many. like well, well, like it gives you kind of the chills. Yeah. You know, that's not at all. That's not in the Matthew no, story at not. all. So, like to your point, like okay, so someone's retelling the story. Where does that part come from? Because that's not in this part. Um, well, first of all, uh, legion, we are many. The Roman army at that particular time, if you had a legion of men, you had about 4,000 men. So I don't know if there's like 4,000 demons <laughs> in this guy or what, but I thought that was really interesting was that... It's like a clown car of demons. <laughs> there's the show title. Um. I think it's, again, um, and I haven't totally spent a lot of time looking at the other ones, um, but I think uh, one of the things that um, 
that Matthew is doing in this sequence of events kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in that um, uh, he's focusing on what, what is it that he wants to get across? Well, he's getting across kind of this, the disciples are beginning to realize that he is God. And so he chooses to kind of focus on that particular message that, excuse me, that comes from the demon-possessed man. And again, I'll, one of the perspectives that I will just say is that, um, you know, as a police officer, when we go to a scene and we ask three different people what happened here in terms of this crime that was just committed, all three of you just witnessed this, all three of them are going to give us a different version of events. And again, it's what about that particular interaction that just stood out to you is what you're going to report. And for whatever reason, um, Matthew doesn't choose to focus on the fact that he says, my name is Legion. Um, you know, it, there's obviously uh, a herd of pigs that gets affected by this. Yeah, uh, the, the, the outcome for the pigs is bad in all three. Yeah, scenarios. and so if, if demons are being driven out from a couple of men into an entire herd of um, pigs, then obviously there's more than one. There's multiple, and, you know, kind of implicit in them leaving them and going to the herd of the pigs is that there are many. So, yeah, it, that, <clears throat> excuse me, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, I've literally been on calls, um, police calls, where um, people will describe a vehicle. One will say it's black, one will say it's silver, and one will say it's red. I've, I've literally seen that happen. They will, three different witnesses all saw the same car. They all described it as three different colors. That's got to be frustrating. It is frustrating. Um, but, you know. Um, and it winds up being yellow, probably. <laughs> Uh, you know, um, there's a lot of different reasons. One person sees it when it's right underneath the street light, and for whatever reason, that street light turns that silver car to a little bit red. You know, the one person gets a real clear view of it when it truly is silver, and then the other person sees it. You know, it's down the block, and all they're seeing is the tail lights coming on, and it's in the shadows, and it's in the dark, and um, one of the things that you have to learn as a police officer is to not change people's stories because that's what you want to do. You want to go, well, the car's silver. So my report needs to say that the car is silver. And when it's like, no, I have to report what you tell me that you saw. So I don't know if that gives an answer or not, but. So you don't think it's a big deal. If the stories are different. I don't. Okay. I don't. And again, I think, I don't think anybody that really thinks about it would argue that three different people are going to give three different versions of the same event uh, to some degree. Okay. Especially if people weren't necessarily um, a primary. I'm not going to get into Q source and all. Oh gosh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just brought it up, but I, you're bringing I back kidding. memories from my gospel class. <laughs> so Q, no, what a what a, is that? Always, I don't even know if that's right. Yeah, no, it I is. Said. <laughs> it's it's Q is the source, but it always reminds me of Q from James James Bond. Bond that's what I was. <laughs> and now I want a pen that turns into a bomb and a shoe that's a telephone. But that was more get smart than anything. So. Anyways, um, all right, so do you think that we should, as Christians, take this stuff a little bit more seriously? 
I do. Generally speaking. Generally speaking, I think we should take the spiritual realm more seriously. I think we should be more in tune with the spiritual realm. And I think it boils down to what you alluded to earlier is that, um, well, you said outright is that um, the spiritual realm is more like reality than reality is reality. And (laughs) sorry. It's a lot of realities, Dave. Yes. That we truly live in the spiritual realm, but we are so focused on material. We, I think we miss much by not being more focused on the spiritual realm of things. I, the, the main place where I'm seeing it time and again is um, arguments, especially amongst Christians. And it's just, we don't even consider the fact that, wow, maybe there's some other force at play here. And there's a reason why you and I are disagreeing when really we probably are saying the same thing. So. I need to take a step back and realize that. All right. Next question. Mm -hmm. Why does Jesus do the demons a total favor and let them go into the herd of pigs? Seems kind of weird. Like some innocent farmer's pigs just, oh, dead. They're all floating in the water. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I have no idea how many words we read here, maybe a couple hundred in this verse 28 through 34. And the only word that Jesus says in all that is go. That's, that's the only, um, actually, what Jesus said and how it applies today to our lives that's part of this. Um, you know, there's kind of an element of, you know, the demon just sees Jesus like, what have you to do with this? Son of God, have you come to torment us? Uh, cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And Jesus kind of looks at him and goes, go, just go, go. You know, uh, I mean, that's how awesome Jesus is, is you got this legion of demons that are freaking over him being God. And his only thing is, is go, just, just go. So, um, I think he does him a favor because, again, I think he's operating from an eternal perspective. I don't know why he's nice to him, but I think he's operating from an eternal perspective of my time hasn't come yet and your time hasn't come yet. and So go ruin that shepherd's life. Just seems like a, I mean, and, and the ending result of the people coming and telling him to leave, like it's a totally bad PR move. It is. A I mean, like PR on the move. surface, it's a terrible PR move. Then you get down below and you're kind of like, well, what did the farmer do to deserve that? And I know that that's like a totally immature way to look at it. Like life isn't fair and that's just the way it is. But you just kind of like of all the things Jesus did, a lot of them make sense and a lot of them are justifiable or to the point that you don't even need to justify them. They just make sense. And this is the one where I'm just kind of like, Really? You know, and people make it a statement about, oh, pigs were unclean, and the well, Jesus changed that. We can eat pigs now. They're tasty and delicious, and we live in mm-hmm. Kansas City, so we eat pig all the time because barbecue's wonderful. But I just, I don't, I've never been able to come up with an answer that I am uh, comfortable with for this one. And again, I, if I even shared my opinion, it, it, it's purely speculation, but... um. I think there's there's some laws that exist in the spiritual realm of they have to go into another creature. 
and Jesus, you know, they have to possess something, so they possess the pigs. But then in that, why do they immediately run down the hill and kill the pigs? You know, they're throwing a tantrum. They got caught. <laughs> because then they obviously, the demons didn't remain in the dead pigs, I assume. They then left and went somewhere else. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think, I think there are so many layers to this that we just can't even begin to comprehend. Uh, without doing some seriously deep study on this, and maybe that's what we should be doing. But, um, Yeah, I just put it down as homework for me. <laughs> Why the pigs, Dave? Why? I don't know. I mean, they're just pigs, but still. They're someone's livelihood, you know? What, I mean, I honestly don't know. Do they, I mean, I'm guessing if somebody has a herd of pigs, then you ate, they ate pigs back then? Well, uh, I mean, it's probably not. I I don't believe. Uh, I don't the the country of the Gadarenes. I don't know where in. I know it's across the Sea of Galilee on the east side. On the east side, so that they're probably still Jews, but I'm not. That's I'm going to add that to the homework too. Well, I you know, well one of the things that we didn't touch on is where the demon possessed men are. They're, they're, they're basically in a cemetery. Creepy. You know? So, I'm going to totally sneeze. Nope. False alarm. <laughs> psych. I, I, I psych myself out. Um, so the Gadarenes, um, yeah, I don't think that's a Jewish place. Um, they're definitely coming out of the tombs. So this is a, um, basically a cemetery, which... If you're demon possessed, that seems unclean to me. If you're uh, in a cemetery, I get the feeling that's unclean too from Jewish tradition and mm-hmm. ceremonies. Yeah, don't clean your dead bodies. That pigs are unclean. So, so I guess the better question is: is why is Jesus and the disciples in that area? Yeah, I mean, did he send them there? knowing that they would run into do demon-possessed men. Hey, here's, here's really what I think. <laughs> I think he's got a very practical reason. Like what we've been talking about. He was tired, he fell asleep in the boat, and he's trying to get away from the crowds. He goes to the place where... No one would go. Well, no one would go, and it says they were so fierce that no one could pass that way. Like, these guys are so tough <laughs> that, you know, they're beat up anybody that goes through. And Jesus is like, well, I know if we go here and we go here... There ain't going to be a crowd to deal with. We'll be able to walk right through, except for these couple of demon guys that are going to be there. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that before. You know? Um, so, yeah, it, it just... Um, but I, 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 I agree with you. I still don't have a, a complete grasp of why the pigs and why, did, and why did he have mercy on them? Why did he allow them a way out? To demons. All right. One more question. Sure. I guess in closing, as we, you know, do every episode, <laughs> we, we end the episode. But before we do that, um, maybe just a closing thought on what this says about Jesus' authority uh, over evil. But like you said, he said one word and problem solved. Yeah. Um, I... 
I guess as I'm beginning to talk, there's kind of like, well, it's fairly obvious. <laughs> He's pretty powerful. Um, well, duh, but duh. I want so give me some meat, Dave. Oh, I know. Um, I, again, I think um, that as soon as, as, as we started out with, as soon as they saw him, they knew who he was. Um, he had to say a single word. And they obeyed uh, his single word. Um, his, it, it, I, I guess, as as if I was a disciple, and I was with Jesus when all this was going on, and I had just witnessed all of this. I mean, I'd seriously be going, "What am I missing? What am I not seeing? What is it about this guy that?" I mean, the demons immediately knew who he was. And not only do they know who he was, but they're begging for their very existence from him. They get that they're not even worthy to be in his presence. They get that if he chooses to deal with them in the way that he has the right to deal with them, it's, it's no bueno for them. It's, you know, um, and yet I think the disciples are still not cluing in. I think they're still like, we, you know, mentioned earlier on of an un uh of of uh not cluing in and um i think it it very much is a sense of uh this is his his supreme authority and it's as simple as him saying one word and they're cast they are cast out of this man and um you know interestingly enough he doesn't really have a conversation with the man himself either. You know, the whole time he's talking with the demons. Well, in this version. Yeah. <laughs> and then in Mark and Luke, he tells them to go back to the Decapolis and do what they got to do. But. Right. So, yeah, they don't even really have an option here. They, they basically have to do what he says. And um, I think for us, that should be a reassuring uh, thing to know about him is that, you know, um, he who is in us is stronger than he's in the world. And I don't think we operate from that. Well, I don't operate from that place all the time of allowing him to be Lord and having that kind of authority. Um, because my guess would be is if I was presented with him in his true existence, I would behave much like the demons did. I'd be like, oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. <laughs> We're not worthy. Uh, well, I think it, it ties in with last week, too, when talking about fear. Um, mm -hmm. And this should be a reassurance that we don't need to fear evil. Yeah. Um, and that's really easy to say um, in peacetime. You know, mm -hmm. um, but I think that this is a very um, illustrative story to remind us that Jesus has power over even something that can control our bodies and our minds. Mm -hmm. um, and that reassures me um, to know that I don't have to fear the devil. Right. I don't have to fear his dirty little minions uh, the way that I fear God. 
do I want anything to do with Satan and his minions? No, I'm not going to go seek him out. Not going to invite him over for dinner. Like I'm just not going to do that. But at the same time, I don't have to be afraid of them lurking around every corner. Right. Yep. Because I got Jesus. <laughs> so. Yes. All right. Any parting thoughts before we bid our dear listeners adieu? I think that is a great place to come to an end. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 28. We really do appreciate your support. Really, honestly, truly. I should just let my yes be my yes, Dave. Yes. Thank you for your support. We appreciate it. Uh, If you want to check out some of the links and videos we mentioned um, throughout this episode, you can go get our show notes at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 28. Or if you're listening on your smartphone, you can probably just scroll up on the artwork and the show notes will magically appear beneath it. You can also get in contact with us and let us know what we messed up. Um, and what, any other follow-up questions you have, because we've got homework for ourselves because we're nerds and we assign ourselves homework, but we would really love um, for you to give us some homework. So uh, you can do that by getting us on Twitter at MasterclassFM, or you can email us at MasterclassFM dot, no, at MasterclassFM at gmail.com, right? MasterclassFM Yeah, at there's gmail.com. no ad at the beginning. Well, okay, email us. <laughs> The address is <laughs> masterclassfm at gmail.com. Yes. Man, we're, we're so professional. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, I think it's time to say goodbye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>